welcome to the West Cheltenham podcast. We want to see communities and places buzzing with the extraordinary presence of Jesus. Join us live on YouTube every Sunday at 10.30am. We really hope you enjoy this message. I think perhaps uh, given that ending, I I should first of all apologise. The group have done such a good job taking us into the presence of God, that sense of... um, God being present. And, uh, and the reading I've chosen, that Psalm 88 this morning, does rather take us into the valley, uh, where darkness is my closest friend. And uh, it's not immediately obvious um, we're, we're going to find hope from this. But please bear with me, because I think even though we are going to be in the, the valley where the psalmist certainly didn't sense God, um, there is a, a mountaintop on the other side. So we better pray as we begin. Father God, you are good, and we want to hold on to that fact as we look at your word, and we want to ask that your word would speak to us by your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, would your spirit take my words, but would you convey your truth, your eternal truth, and your life to us through these words? For we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me explain the journey of how uh, I got here this morning. Uh, this time last week, um, we were meant to be on holiday. Uh, we were meant to be in Mallorca. We had been in Mallorca, but we'd cut our sh- holiday short and come home. Um, but such a hard situation, and we've been praying and praying and praying about this. Then to cap it all, when we'd, uh, done our, we'd done the visits, I had a few days, because I was still off, and I thought, right, we can enjoy ourselves now, even if we're at home. And uh, then my, my hip, my back went, and I spent that weekend, last weekend, uh, pretty much on the bed. And, and then on, on Monday, I looked to see, what am I preaching about the following Sunday? And the road has been done in advance, and we said that we wanted to talk about prayer because one of our priorities as a parish is prayer. We want to commit to prayer. We want to be, uh, prayer is the lifeblood of our individual Christian life, and it's the lifeblood of the church. And I've got to preach on prayer, and I really don't want to do that. I don't feel like it. I don't want to pray. And to be honest, in the circumstance, prayer just doesn't seem to have made much difference in any case. Then as I went through the day on Monday, um, it was as if God was nudging me. And, uh, and God seemed to be saying, that's exactly what I want you to be preaching on. In this context that you find yourself in. Because you know what? You'll find you're not alone in this context or this sort of context. And my mind took me back to when I was at theological college and uh, this psalm, Psalm 88, and and what struck me at college back then was the the person who was uh, teaching us said, this is unique in the Bible, 150 psalms. Uh, This is a type of lament. Laments are moaning or complaining to God. And there are corporate laments by the rivers of Babylon where we lay down when we remember Zion in exile. There's corporate laments. The whole 
of Israel was lamenting before God. And then there's this individual lament of complaining, of God's absence, of expressing the strongest of feelings to God. And the thing about Psalm 88, this lecturer said, was it's the only psalm in the Bible that doesn't resolve. There is no hope in it. It ends with darkness. It blames God. And there is no movement of hope in it. And so I went back, I went back and reread it and thought, yes, that's, that's the passage for this Sunday. And interestingly, as I did some further reading, it turns out these psalms of lament form the majority of the psalms. More than one-third of the psalms in the Bible, these psalms of lament. And the chief characteristic of them is, is their mood. So the psalmist, the writer of the psalms, is going through tough times. And the psalmist expresses themselves in the rawest of terms to God. And often they're expressing complaint or suffering, sorrow or great loss. And they involve these raw emotions. So Psalm 88, let's just listen. I picked out some of the, the key lines in this psalm. Just listen for the mood and imagine how the writer, the psalmist, is feeling. My soul is full of trouble and my life draws near the grave. You, God, have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest of depths. Your wrath, God, lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with your waves. My eyes are dim with grief. Why? Why, O oh Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? You have taken my companions and loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. Almost saying I prefer darkness over you, God. And we don't know exactly what's going on for the writer, his or her external struggles or internal struggles. But it's tough. It's just so tough that this writer, this psalmist, is struggling. And the question we might ask, of course, is, is why, why is this psalm in the Bible if there's no resolution and there's no hope? And why are a third of all the psalms this sort of crying out to God when life is hard? And I guess, I guess the answer to that question, why, is it depends on whether or not you've ever felt like the psalmist and you've ever been through those places yourself. So the psalmist feels like they are buried alive in the pit. They feel like they're dead already. They feel like they've been utterly abandoned. Their friends and companions have been taken by God from them. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt so numb that you'd be glad even to feel the pain because it was proof that you were still had feelings? Have you ever known the darkness descend so thickly 
and stay there that you can't see the light. Maybe you're thinking Christians shouldn't get depression. Of all people, we should be a people of hope, people of gratitude, people of thanksgiving. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Maybe you're thinking that. But the reality of the Christian life is, is it's still no bed of roses. And we go through the same mental agonies as anyone else. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, the great Baptist preacher, he penned these words. The mind can descend far lower than the body, for physically there is no such thing as a bottomless pit. And the flesh can only bear only a certain number of wounds, but no more, but the soul. The soul can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over again each hour. And you don't write something like this, as real as this, without having been through it yourself. And Charles Spurgeon was perhaps the single most influential Christian figure of the 19th century. And surely something like this, this feeling of being depressed, overwhelmed, consumed, is the feeling being described in the psalm. Buried alive, drowning, abandoned. So I guess the next question is, what are we meant to do with these feelings? Are we meant to, are we meant to bury them down? Are we to put on a church face because it's Sunday and smile? Is that what we're meant to do? Is that what we're meant to do when a third of the Psalms in the Bible are complaining at God? Well, perhaps we do well to remember that all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture. God put it there. Paul to Timothy. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting. It's there for a purpose. And if you only take one thing from today and one thing is that the Bible gets us. The Bible is not selling us anything. It can be as honest as it likes. It's not selling you anything. And you really can stay in darkness a very long time and be a Christian. But what the psalm does point us towards, teach us, if you like, is what to do with our despair. We are encouraged to pray it, to vocalize it, to put words to God. Words like this, honest, painful words to God. And then here's the, here's the thing, then even our anger and our grief and despair are directed to God and that actually becomes a prayer. I, to be fully honest, I've never really known what to do with this psalm, and I've, I've tended to skip over it. Yes, there was some academic interest 30 years ago at college, but I could never have imagined preaching on it. But in preparation for this morning, I read two sentences in a commentary by Derek Kidner. And this is what he said, The very presence of these prayers in Scripture is a witness of God's understanding. God knows how people speak when they are desperate. God knows how people speak when they're desperate. Sometimes we think we shouldn't use words or feel like this as Christians. 
That makes it even worse. But also know what the psalmist is doing. At the start and throughout, there's these odd glimpses of who he's praying to. Lord, the God who saves me, he starts, or she starts. Day and night I cry out before you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. So the psalmist is praying to God, expressing all this to God, blaming God. Let's be clear about that. And subjectively, the psalmist feels cut off from God. And yet somehow the psalmist is turning this into a prayer. Yet darkness is still the final word. But no less throughout the psalm, it's you, God. And it ends with this darkness and losing the face of God. Darkness and losing the face of God. Does that, does that sound at all familiar? Is there an echo anywhere? Matthew 27, verse 45. From the sixth hour to the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your face from me? And at that moment, the earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. We remember that on the cross, Jesus takes the wrath of God. And ultimately, God's love is revealed in that darkness, in the pain, and the rejection. And through the grave, victory is won. God's love is revealed in the place of greatest suffering, the greatest disconnect, and darkness. Jesus, who took all our stuff, all our selfishness, all our self-seeking, he was abandoned by those who was closest to him. He was cut off from his heavenly Father so that we might never be abandoned. He objectively was cut off from God, that we might only feel it, but the truth is anything but. Remember the words of the psalmist in verse 10 of Psalm 88? The words, do we hear them now differently? Do you show your wonders to the dead? To those, do the dead rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave? Yes! That is where his love is declared, in the loss, in the darkness, and in the grave. That is where God shows his love to us. And as we ponder the cross, we might perceive the light there that casts the shadows in our darkness. It's the light that casts the shadows because our souls tell us that life should not be like this. But even in the darkness, we can have this certainty of our salvation, that Jesus is dying for us, that God is good and is for us. Even when our hearts and souls are weary,
If I'm honest, I've learned more in the darkness than in times of plenty, than times when life has been easy. There are treasures in the darkness. None of us wants to go there, but it's often in those circumstances that we realize just who God is and what he's done. God is saying this. What God is saying to each of us is, I'm not your God because you put on a happy face. I'm not your God because you say everything right or because you do everything right. I'm your God because I'm the God of all grace and I've done it for you. I'm your God because I'm the God of all grace and I've done it for you. picture I have, just to draw to a close, is of a, of a toddler having a tantrum held by its mother. And then that toddler is screaming and kicking and shouting, the whole body is squirming, and yet, yet the mother holds on to that toddler. And eventually, but only eventually, that, that screaming and that writhing, they begin to subside. And then there's just sobbing. And then that toddler finds itself just held in the embrace of the one who loves it. And you know, we, we go through trials and tribulations. Life is not easy. If it's easy for you at the moment, bless you and enjoy and give thanks for it. But if you're going through life in its hardship and the darkness is real and the hope you're struggling to find, then this is exactly our God who embraces us, who puts his arms around us and refuses to let us go. And this is grace and grace and grace alone. It begins with God, it ends with God, and I find and you find that you're held. And so why is Psalm 88 in the Bible? I, I hope you leave here with more hope that it's there for us to find our emotions are matched, a mirror of our souls, and God embraces us. It's there to encourage us to express our strongest feelings to God, but in so doing, find when we finally subside that through the cross and Jesus and what he's done in Calvary, that he's good and he will never let us go. We're embraced by the one who loves us. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. To hear more messages like this, make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, head to westchelt.org.uk or search Westchelt across social media. We love you. We can't wait to see you again.